Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Spud Chat. My name is Ryan Barrett. I'm the Research and Agronomy Specialist with the Prince Rhode Island Potato Board. Today, we're going to be doing our first ever Spud Chat grower check-in. We're going to be talking to three different potato growers in Prince Edward Island to hear about how things are going on the farm so far this spring, learn a little bit about their farms and about what's happening on the farm, what's maybe a little different this year or new this year. So my plan is to do this hopefully about once a month during the growing season so that uh, we can share some stories of new technology or new practices or just how things are going on the farm across PEI. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out, ryan at peipotato.org. And without further ado, let's get into the grower check-in. All right, um, today, our first chat on spud chat with uh pei growers is with jonathan mclennan from mclennan properties up uh in western pei how's it going this morning jonathan great ryan how are you awesome uh tell our listeners a little bit about mclennan properties uh so it's my wife and i farm together uh it's been a family operation for many generations but uh kind of started my dad in the 60s and 70s took over from his father and it was a mixed farm back then a uh, bit of dairy bit a bit of everything the barn was basically the grocery store back then uh then my father kind of uh fo- started focusing more on potatoes uh started uh we were growing all seed shipping it out through the winter then uh we started growing for cavendish farms in the early 80s and uh kind of uh, never look back from there. So uh, right now, all of our potatoes are are uh, either processing or seed for processing. So I kind of, when somebody asks what we grow, I tell them uh, our potatoes will be Cavendish French fries either this year or next year. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. How are, how's the spring going up there? How uh, you're, you've started planting? Yeah, yeah, we started. We got two days in last week. Uh, it's been a really wet spring. Uh, not overly wet, just wet enough that we can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, looked like it was going to start out to be an early spring. Uh, the snow went early and the ground was uh, firming up fast, but uh, just got enough rain that nothing really could get done. So uh, we uh, were later than historically we, we would be going, but... Uh, I guess in the last 10 years, probably we're, we're either on time or early. Right. Now you would grow some grains and, and, uh, some other crops as well as most of the, most of the barley in and that sort of stuff. Uh, no, actually we, we kind of, when the potato planter starts, the grain drill starts at the same time. So, uh, we're, uh, he's, he travels faster than I do, but uh, he's got over 100 acres in where I'm still with the potato planter. Maybe we have 90 acres of uh, of, of uh, potatoes in. Right on. Um, you've been great to work with me the last number of years uh, with, through AIM. You're, you've been uh, a chair of one of our AIM working groups and also um, you're uh, on the seed group now and, and doing a bunch of different trials with us over the years. I know one trial 
that we're working on with along with uh, your agronomist Steve Watts is this um, mustard biofumigation trial. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, have you got a field picked out for it yet? Yeah, and the, the mustard is in oh, now this yeah. year. Uh, last year, with uh, just with the logistics of getting the mustard, we we couldn't get it in early, and and uh, but it's in now, and and we got barley planted around the outside of it too, so that that field's all ready to go. Awesome, great. What other uh, sort of things are, are new at at your farm this year, or that you're looking at, or kind of looking ahead at the season? What 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 are the sort of things that are pique your interest? Yeah, uh, one of the, well, the biggest change probably we made, not this spring, but last summer was uh, we got, uh, we, we finally got a piece of uh, vertical tillage, uh, like the, the synchro uh, carat type equipment. Ours is a Vatterstad, mm-hmm. uh, but does, does the same job. Uh, so 500 of our 700 acres of ground that was going into potatoes this spring was done with it. And uh, we spread mustard on top of it uh, for a cover crop for the winter. And uh, with the way the fall was last year, that worked out great. We had great, yeah. great cover with uh, with our mustard. Um, we might kind of change that up next year. We might. I know a lot of people are doing tillage radish and, and different things. Uh, I, I still we've been playing with mustard now for 15 years for different reasons, trying to uh combat verticillium wilt uh i know a lot of people are doing it for wireworm but that's not an issue up west uh but i read a report back years ago that uh, in europe they thought there was some uh some effect on scab with with mustard so uh that's kind of where uh where i'm heading what it's always in the back of my mind when i'm looking at mustard so yeah but anyway uh yeah so this year we're planting a lot of our potatoes into ground that's been uh that's had vertical tillage on it last spring or last fall right on and um and you guy was up uh planting a trial up uh, your way uh this year uh, or last week and uh, you guys have a new planter this year yeah yeah uh not a lot different than our other one uh just kind of 17 years newer yeah <laughs> uh, but it uh i guess the technology in it is a lot there's a lot more to it the other one was a mechanical drive this one's all hydraulic drive and uh uh i guess another big thing we're doing on the farm is uh with evan mcdonald and with kevin Shagri is dealing with uh swap maps and doing getting oh, our yes. farm all mapped and uh in the future i think variable rate seeding is going to be part of our future i think yeah um, evan's doing doing his phd on that and uh hmm. and i know it's part of our part of our project with upei uh on uh, on the use of uh soil electroconductivity and 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 what what we can use those maps for so i think that's that's very interesting yeah, yeah. very good well, that's great, Jonathan. Thanks a lot for taking a few minutes. I know it's a busy time of year, so t- thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to me. And uh, have a very successful planting season and uh, and all the best for uh, a good growing season. All right, sounds good. And hopefully we'll see lots of you this summer with uh, all the different trials we got going on up here. Yeah, no, there's lots of, lots of reason to make it up west, so we'll, uh, we'll definitely be seeing you. All right, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Jonathan. 
Next on our grower check-in is Brandon McPhail of McSall Farms uh, in uh, sort of Graham's Road, New London area, PEI. Uh, Brandon, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Have a good afternoon. Tell us a little bit about your farm and uh, what your sort of the crops you're growing and where you're located and what you're doing. All right, I'll try to do it in a nutshell here. Um, I grew up farming inside Cornwall. Well, I guess it's inside Charlottetown in a mixed potato, beef, and hog farm. Spent all my free time there. Uh, I guess going through high school, I heard about a place called NSAC and decided that's where I was going to go. Wasn't sure what I was going to do when I went there, but I took plant science. I ended up meeting my wife over there, Rochelle. Uh, from there, I worked on various other farms. I worked for a couple dairy farms uh, east of Charlottetown for a few summers. And probably my last summer at NSAC, I worked for Vernon Campbell up on the Grands Road. And I stayed with him for a number of years. Uh, when I was working with Vernon, we kind of started something up where I had some potatoes of my own in. And uh, I approached Cavendish to growing for them. And this was back in the day when it was actually pretty hard to get a contract, but luckily I, I managed to get a million pounds and we started growing some that way uh, on my own, but through the help of Vernon and Bertha with their equipment. And I just kind of grew year after year from there. And I guess 2010 came around and it was just so big. It was probably time to go on my own. I was taking up a lot of their time and assets. So it was just better to, to go off my own. So uh, we split off and I think I started growing like maybe 400 on my own. Uh, it was just basically solely potatoes. And uh, at that start there, I was working fairly closely with Cavendish Farms, but gradually becoming more independent. Uh, 2014, I had my son Calvin, who's seven now. He's around the farm a little bit, but he's like, He's got like a 10 minute attention span. So <laughs> even driving in the tractor, he's, I think he's really just there to take, take any treats I have. Like he's, <laughs> that's what he likes most. Uh, and anyway, this year I, we got started planting, I think on the 18th and had a few hours that day. The next day we put in three quarters of a day maybe. And on Friday, that was the last day we've been planting. We had a couple of good days, but there's definitely some wet areas. Some of my other crops, uh, we have barley, not a huge amount. It's all in roughly like 125 acres or so. I grow a little bit of rye grass. Uh, I had to reseed some hay. I put some annual rye in there. Doing a couple trials with you, Ryan, with some mustard. We do some sorghum sedan. Uh, we do some nurse cropping with my potatoes, just putting barley on after planting, going through and terminating that later with some Roundup uh, before the potatoes emerge, of course. And we grow some fall rye that we use for cover cropping in the fall. Right on. Yeah, you're a busy man. Um, you've got potatoes both sort of up around that the North Shore, like New London area, but you also uh, have some spuds down still around Cornwall. Milton area? Yeah, yeah. So we cover quite a bit of ground. We are out and around French River area, back through to New London, uh, Bird Alban. Uh, there's a couple firms at Kelly's Cross, we firm, one in Hunter River, and then down in Cornwall at the home place of my father and, and his brothers. We rent a 
Oh, usually not just from them, but there's a couple other fellows, about 200 acres a year down that way too. So we cover a fair bit of ground so that, yeah, it, which helps sometimes, uh, the logistics of it is kind of crappy, but, uh, usually somewheres will do all right. Somewhere got rain. <laughs> usually, Yeah. Yeah. What's the variety mix in there? Like you, how many different varieties are you growing? Uh, this year it's pretty heavy. It's nine different varieties. Uh, we used to be two, we used to be prospects and russets, but, uh, we started taking on a few different ones. So now we have, uh, Shepherdies, prospects, uh, what else do I got? Russet Burbanks, Dakota russets. Uh, we're trying Althea's, Alverston's, Mountain Gems. Those three are new to me this year. I think they're mostly new to the industry. Uh, a few people have had Mountain Gems for a little while, but, uh, and then I grow some table stock now with McCain's and that Gold Rush. I think, I think I named them all. Oh, yeah. Kennebecs. I also grow Kennebecs for out of the field. So, right on. Yeah. We've done a couple different things this year. I kind of wrote that down. Uh, we picked up a new drill that can do minimum tillage, uh, which I'm kind of interested in because it allows us to plant more cover crops without tilling the soil, which everybody tells me is a good thing. So I hope, I hope it works out well. Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing a little bit more nurse cropping on potatoes. Uh, going to try a few different things for termination besides just the roundup. That, that nurse cropping, Brandon. So the theory on that is you're, you're trying to get the ground covered in the period between, you know, when you, when you're seeding potatoes or just before you're seeding potatoes and then, um, uh, before, before potatoes emerge. So you're just trying to kind of keep the ground covered for that, you know, th those couple of weeks. Yeah. I've done it a couple different ways. The first year I spread the barley planted into it and we have, uh, pillars on the planter and all of that did is put the barley all through the hill, but had nothing in kind of the furrows. And I always, I felt the furrows is where I needed it the most. Right. So now what we do is we plant the potatoes and we just come through with the broadcast spreader and broadcast it over the top. And they just basically seed themselves and it's, they seed out heavier in the furrows. Mm -hmm. I know they've, they've been also checking like the, the erosion to me is the big thing, but there had been some claims. I'm not sure if they ever found any significance to it, but that it heated the hill up a little bit faster having that green material in there. Right. But, uh, I don't and, then, and then you're spraying that off just before, uh, emergence. Yeah, it does make it tricky because I try to leave it as long as I can, but you can't have any potatoes emerging at all, or there'll be obviously issues to the potatoes with the roundup. So, and it, it allows me to do this with the, with the hiller on the planter. Cause it, I'm not having to go back through and hill it. It gives the right. barley a lot of time to germinate and get some green growth but this year i'm going to try a couple strips terminating it later with uh, it's still on the fence what i'm going to exactly use but uh i think there was a couple chemicals that uh, one of the reps was talking to me about but trying so i think i'm going to try that this year and, and hopefully let it stay green longer and not become a weed later mm -hmm. yeah. well you definitely got uh you got a few irons in the fire um, yeah yeah. There's a What's... few other things uh, we've done this year too. We, uh, other people have had it for a couple of years, but we put a disinfection unit on our seed cutter. Yes. Yeah, it seems to be working pretty good. Uh, Ken Lingley helped us out with that. That seemed to be a popular uh, decision this, uh, this winter and this spring with quite a few guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems, seems not too bad yet. We'll, 
you know, the jury's out. We'll see how it goes for us next year. And another interesting thing that we're trying this year is uh, Craig McCluskey asked me if I'd want to be one of his demos for his planner accuracy system, which uses the press wheels to determine, I guess, your accuracy of spacing. Oh, yes. We have that on and uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, some bugs to fix in it, but I think it's like a super promising thing. Like, uh, it's really neat to be going up the field and see your accuracy, see your average speed spacing. And, uh, you, you know, there's a the first variety. I was pretty happy with what I've been doing in the past. I've been opening rows and whatnot, but uh, his his meter said I, I, was gain, I was aiming for nine, nine inch spacing, but his said I was actually closer to like eight. And after I got in and measuring a lot more than I normally do, it was right. So there's already been some gain that way to that. Right. So the theory behind that is the press wheel. It's the press wheel that a lot of people in PEI would be familiar with, but it, it also records the impact of the seat piece on the press wheel. Right. And then that's what sort of triggers the system to, to, to register, you know, the space between the seat pieces. Yeah, hundred percent. He's got an algorithm into it and it just kind of, it counts the compressions of the seed piece and it can tell whether it's been a double or not. And it uses its own GPS to determine like how fast you're going and what the spacing is. It gets like basically like a little sine wave going and it determines from that. Wow. That's great. That's uh, you know, as you, if you're working the bugs out and that becomes a, you know, a commercial product that a bunch of people can get uh, or upgrade press wheels to, I think, uh, a lot of people will save a lot of time uncovering uh, rows to to check their planter accuracy. <laughs> oh, 100%. Like nothing more I hate doing like than stopping the planter on a nice day to get out and open rows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In some cases, you have chemical that you put on there. So, you you know, you got to wear the gloves and stuff. And and then with the hiller on the back, I'm paring down such a big row and then trying to get it back up. and. Yeah. And, you know, you're only going to catch what you measure, but with his system, if they get it dialed in, you'll know immediately if one row for some reason just flies off the handle, maybe you broke a cup or two in it, or yeah. maybe uh, your press wheels a little out of whack because he hit a rock, like yep. all this stuff you can't really tell. Like I know uh, since I went to the hiller on the back, uh, we've had to make some adjustments to our planner and our covering disc. Sometimes we'd hit a rock and snap one off and I wouldn't even know I lost it. Like the press wheels hold the set and then the hiller puts the row up and I wouldn't know I lost the, the coulter to either. I was walking around behind the thing or I seen it sitting a couple passes over sticking out of the hill. Right. So it, it, <laughs> I think there's a lot of definitely a, a lot of good to come from this system if you can get it sorted out. Well, there's some interesting innovation happening on all kinds of firms in this island and different ways, whether it be, you know, equipment and technology or, or crop rotation or all sorts of different things. So anyway, well, thanks yeah. very much for taking a few minutes to to talk to me, Brandon. We'll, uh, we'll probably be checking in with you later on in the season as uh, things uh, uh, progress and uh, here's to uh, getting your crop in in good time and, uh, and then lots of rain. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for lots of rain this summer and uh I've been following Instagram a bunch and there's a thing like called Hot Girl Summer and I'd like to figure out what that's all about too. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Talk to you later. Thanks.
So we're finishing up our uh, grower uh, roundup or our grower chat this morning with uh, Becky Townsend of Townsend Potato Company uh, in Rolo Bay West. How are things this morning, Becky? Yeah, good, Ryan. Good. We're just uh, doing some rainy, uh, some wet morning chores here. We got uh, 20 mils over the weekend, so we're just waiting for the ground to dry up. Yeah, 20 mils. I've heard anywhere from sort of 20 to 40 over the weekend around the province. So uh, definitely slows things down a little bit for a Monday morning. Yes, but there's always there's always stuff to do, though. There's always so. stuff to do, that's for <laughs> sure. Tell me a little bit about uh, Townsend Potato Company and uh, and your guys' farm and, and what you guys do. Uh, yeah, we, uh, my father and I up here, we farm 650 acres of potatoes, uh, kind of a mixture between processing and and table and, and then we grow a bit of our own seed. Um, Dad's been doing growing potatoes here for a long time. I, I should have asked him what, what crop year this is, but he's been at it for a while. Um, we also do some grains and some, some blueberries as well. Right on. And uh, how are things going so far this season? Yeah, so far, well, our, our grain crop is in, and I was just doing the math. We've got 25% of our, our, of our potato crop in, and okay. everything that's, that's in so far looks great, and, and our seed seed looks good, and uh, yeah, we're getting along great. Quite a bit of your grain goes in uh, the fall before as winter wheat, right? Yeah, we've, we've, we've shifted our focus here. This this fall cover, we're seeing pretty good gains uh, in, our, in our, you know, our potato crops, and just getting that, that field covered as quick as we can as, as soon as the potatoes are out and uh, the winter wheat this spring looks fabulous looks the best I've ever seen so we're we've upped our management on that too we've been uh, you know it's already gotten its first uh, fungicide and uh, a growth regulator yeah I've seen some really good winter wheat all around um, really impressive um, some of the you you and uh, Peter helped us out a little bit with a trial on winter barley. Uh, it hasn't looked quite as prosperous this spring <laughs> anywhere we've done it. <laughs> so we're, we're gonna we have to tweak that a little bit for next year. But we'll yeah. uh, we'll keep we're, we're we're trying something new to PEI that that really hasn't been done much. So you gotta you gotta try if, things a little bit to see whether they work. If you had asked me five days after we planted that winter barley, I'd say I'm never going to plant winter wheat again. I'm all in on this winter barley. It was up in five days, came up quick, came up beautiful. Just It just covered. It was just a, a mat of green there when the snow came. I've never seen the lights. Uh, but then, as you know, this spring it was covered in, in cobwebs, which I, I soon learned was snow mold. But uh, in the fall, I've never seen anything come up so quick as that winter barley. Yeah, no, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, maybe we just may need to tweak it a little bit to see whether it'll work here. Yeah. Um, what uh, what sort of things are are new at your guys' operation this year? What what's maybe different about how you're doing things this year compared to a normal year? Uh, well, last fall we we spun on some of that spring spring barley on some of our plows, our fall plowed land, and and that went really well. Uh, it didn't all winter die, but what I'm hoping once we get in there with our tillage ahead of potatoes, it'll it'll disappear, which I'm I'm sure it will. Uh, but I really I really like that. I, I like the spring and that spinning that barley on in the fall and, and getting a bit of cover there for the winter. And and then it was still, I guess it was supposed to die in the spring, but it was still green in the spring, which I think will will help us with that with the potato crop that's going in. 
for sure. It helps uh, sort of invigorate the ground a little bit, hold hold the soil, uh, all those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, we're really trying to focus on keeping this ground as covered as, as much as 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 possible, um, as as much as as much as is realistic, I suppose. Right. Would be would be better just to say. But then, uh, other than that, we're trying a couple of different new uh, types of table potatoes, which are new to this farm. Um, okay. But uh, and then, um, yeah, we're we're still we still grow a lot of Burbanks. Burbanks are still our main our main crop, and we we get along good with the Burbanks. So, what um, your rotation? So your potatoes and most of the potatoes are followed by grain, and then most of that grain's followed by hay crop. Yeah, that's right. And we've we've we uh, we still manage our hay crop. We've discovered if we give it a little shot of fertilizer, you know, when in June it boosts that hay crop and. And I think we're seeing gains on that. Uh, um, it sure makes for nice hay, and then we just typically tend to mow it down and, and manage it that way, and then and plow it later in the fall. And and that seems to be making gains. Knock on wood, on this farm we haven't had a wireworm issue, so we're not we don't have to chase chase those wireworms out of there. Um, yeah. No, that's important. And depending on where you're farming and what your rotation is, everybody's got a little bit different something different that they're chasing so it yeah. makes a little difference in what the rotation looks like and what the management looks like so yeah that being said i'd say organic matter is something we've kind of we're paying a little more attention to here and and trying to help us out on some of these drier drier stretches we're seeing later in the in the season yeah for sure and the the cover crops and the rotation should definitely help with that so um you know it's uh it's it's definitely something that i'd say a lot of growers are paying attention to and trying to trying to figure out the the right way forward for them you mentioned you're doing something a little different with varieties on table stock are you growing you know do you grow colors or mostly like russets or or do you grow a little few different things yeah we're well this year we're trying some uh some yellows um we were growing innovators in the past, um, but we had to switch our varieties for different reasons. And so we're trying these satinas, which are which are very yellow. I've never grown uh, such a yellow um, a yellow potato as that. And then we're trying this other kind, uh, canellas, which are kind of a, a russet. And we're growing those for a pack house that wants to do some, you know, long long term storage packing in this time of year. So right. Yeah. Had the satinas, I know, in the I've had a couple in trials before, and they they tend to be um, fairly drought tolerant, which is one of their yeah. one of their uh, uh, hallmarks or in these woods anyway. So yeah, yeah, we like to try a try a few different different ones around here just to keep things interesting. Right on. She's dad just walked in here. Dad, what what number crop is this for you? Dan's just trying to do the math right, but this would be uh, Peter's 49th crop. Oh, very the more crops you have, the harder it is to figure it out. Uh, now he's saying the more, he's in the background chirping, saying the more crops you have, the harder it is to figure out. Yeah, true enough. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for uh, right. taking a few minutes to talk to me, uh, Becky, and good yeah. luck to you and Peter and the whole crew up there for a good uh, rest of the planting season and I'm sure we'll see you lots through the summer. All right, thanks Ryan. Great. Thanks Becky.